What's going on, guys? I'm Alex. And I'm Steve. And this is Black Series Rebels, episode 50. And we are back from Comic-Con to conquer the accomplishment that is episode 50. What does it mean? What will we do? Pretty much what we do every week. Mediocre content for the rich cost of free. And we're gonna announce a winner of a giveaway. Cool. So, as you might recall, not last week, like two ep like episode or so mm -hmm. before, I think when we were playing little 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 babies. Yeah. We were the little little babies. Mm -hmm. Remember the little little babies? Anyways, we announced a giveaway that we were gonna do a little contest. The hashtag gimme them sweet pins. We got a winner announced. You're gonna win a master pin. You're gonna win a monarch pin. The winner of the hashtag gimme them sweet pins giveaway contest is YouTube user Fred Martin. Congratulations. Thank you for participating. We'll get in contact. Yeah, and because I forgot last week to do the giveaway, I will throw in an exclusive Ghostmaster SDCC exclusive action figure pin just because you had to wait a little bit longer to get your free stuff. I don't know why that works, but it's capitalism. Enjoy it, buddy. Thank you guys so much for snagging up all of our SDC exclusive pins. As you know, we did a flash drop this weekend. Uh, for all of you that couldn't make it to Comic-Con, we just basically sold the leftovers that were available at the door for free if you attended the panel. And because of you guys, you helped us pay for gas, you helped us pay for hotel rooms, you helped us basically do Comic-Con on a budget with short notice because it's really hard to get a hotel room in San Diego. Uh, cost of the amount of chicken tenders that like six crew members can consume at any given time. Not to mention novelty cocktails named after Spielberg epics from the 80s are expensive. Also, guys, I bought pins. He bought prints. You know how many cool shirts and hats we got? Actually, none of your money went to that. It all went to funding the show. That was all our hard-earned money that we spend. Uh, we waste our wives' money. I believe my wife went, Ooh, shopping spree. Ah, yeah. <laughs> My fiance was like, more black t-shirts. <laughs> you got shopping spree and I got more black t-shirts. All right. All right. But I can't get these black t-shirts anywhere else, babe. I don't know how many times I have to tell you that I don't find you attractive in black t-shirts for you to stop buying black t-shirts. Meanwhile, black t-shirts. I think you're attractive Thank in black t-shirts. I look great. Do I look good in a black t-shirt? Leave in the comments. Hashtag Alex looks oh so, so minty fresh. fresh in a black t-shirt and his fiance should give him a little extra home loving when he gets home. Guys, seriously though, thank you so much for supporting us at Comic-Con. The best part is- Can sir, I get some loving? Sure, I would love home loving. <laughs> Who doesn't like some of that home loving? You guys, seriously though, thank you guys so much for supporting us. If you came out to Comic-Con, we have tons of awesome Comic-Con content coming. Uh, we just needed to sleep. We just needed a nap. It's true. It's been uploaded to the cloud. Our editor's on it. P. He's Pablo's on getting it. it. We had a great interview with Mr. Stevie and Anthony Bresnikin from Entertainment Weekly. We are super proud of it. Thank you to everyone who came out to the panel. I know Steele, I know Jason from Making Stars came out, Matt Martin, Amanda Jean, Lantern Pins, Thomas Sholin, Work le work, work Less More, Work Green More Less. Green Tea Drinker. Green Tea Drinker was there. We had, I think, I think Blook Series was there. All kinds of folks were there supporting us. We always means the world to us to be able to make you guys laugh in person. We're gonna keep doing stuff like that. Next stop, I believe, will hopefully be Celebration. Uh, we will be happy to do another mediocre live event for you guys there, for all of you to come for the pin and stay for the cheap laughs. And the sweat. With that being said, 
Hey, Steve. Yeah, Alex? We got a lot to talk about this week. Yes, we do. What's going on this week in Star Wars News? Hey, Steve. Yeah, Alex? What's going on this week in Star Wars News? Buddy, the prequels are back, baby. Guys, sound the alarm. Grab the cup toppers. (laughs) Get... Your tie-dye shirts with the heads in various positions because, guys, we are back, baby. The mid-90s are here, the late-90s are here, and they are here to stay. Well, yes, it's true. I'm not sure if you're aware, but next year, The Phantom Menace is celebrating its 20th anniversary. Which also means I'm celebrating my 20th anniversary of Miss Van Neel's 7th grade English class. Sorry, Miss Van Neel. Anyways. Wait, Miss Van Neel doesn't watch this. You were a terrible teacher. Awful human. Why were you so mean to a kid? I won the essay writing contest and you didn't like it because it was too funny. Guess who's a writer now, bitch? Miss Van Neel. Keep it going, baby. All right, baby. Here we go. Good start. This is the biggest news out of Comic Con. Broke the internet apparently. Black we Series were... Rebels panel? <laughs> no, but we were, we were busy doing. We were busy in the throes of stressing out and sweating all over that goddamn town called San Diego in preparation for it. Well, the biggest news of the convention so far that broke the internet is, guess what, baby? Dave Filoni at the tenth anniversary panel for the Clone Wars trotted out the whole cast, they reminisced, they looked at art, they had a great time, and at the end, we got a little teaser mm-hmm. that was announcing hashtag Clone Wars saved. Guess what, buddy? You're getting one last season of the Clone Wars. One last ride? One last ride. You're getting 12 episodes on the Disney streaming service. When it's coming, I don't know, but... Hold on. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. Right? Yeah, baby. This is the fat this is the Star Wars equivalent of the last five minutes of that Fast and the Furious movie where they digitally put Paul Walker's face on a Paul Walker's brother. It's pretty cool, right? I only have one issue with the whole thing. Okay. Hashtag Clone Wars saved is lame. It doesn't roll off the tongue at all. Well, apparently, since like the show went off the air in like two, could have been Clone Wars Strikes Back. You're welcome. Ooh, well, I guess the show went off <laughs> the air in 2013, which is right around the time of the Disney acquisition, all of that. Well, it, um, yeah, they they basically Disney acquired it, and they were like, well, we can't have this show that just exists mm-hmm. in a a world where we're going to be rebooting yeah. canon. So, like, I I know fans of that show were very upset. Well, that's the whole thing. Yes. Is apparently, they just inundated them, inundated them with emails, videos, posts, tweets, you name it, death threats, I don't know. I, well, here's, I think this is important to note, because it's very easy now to view this as some victory. Yeah. Like, it worked. All of our anger and requests for them to return to the, the good old days of the Clone Wars worked. It didn't work. My precious. Yeah, this precious. this is this was in production. It had to be in production before like The Last Jedi came out. So this was always the plan. So I think this you can take this as encouragement that Disney's gonna be doing a lot more stuff like this. I, I I'm excited, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm I look, guys. 
before you send the hate mail and the tweets. Oh, they and the get comments, it now. They get it. I still have not finished Clone Wars. I guess I'm gonna have to finish Clone Wars now. It's good. It's actually really good. Boy, the first three seasons are a hot ass mess, but it gets real good. Like it finds its legs and becomes something really special. Uh, it, it is hard to take a big break and then recapture the magic of a classic. So, for example, there's been rumors of a Frasier reboot. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, now. How pumped are you? Buddy. <laughs> tell you, I like the Clone Wars. Frasier absolutely dominates the Clone Wars. Like, straight up. Let's do a sticker right now. I need now. to see that, like, that quote. Yeah. Should we call this episode, Frasier Dominates the Clone Wars? Yes. This episode is called, Frasier Dominates the Clone Wars. And I don't mean that as, like, a dig, but, like... <laughs> It's the reason why I bring this up is Frasier Crane. It's Frasier. What if they put Frasier in the Clone Wars? Like Anakin is like, oh, I just got to go see this radio psychiatrist, and he goes, I'm listening, and he like calls me. He goes, I just feel so mad. Like, in like, like a year from now, I'm gonna be Darth Vader, and Frasier's like, well, you know, a lot of people turn into uh, what they hate, which is the dark side. Maybe that's what it is. And then Niles comes in and he goes, would you like some sherry? And he's like, would love some Niles. And then they have some sherry and then Anakin's like, no, I'm going to be bad. No, the reason I bring this up is I read that, very excited. Sounds really cool. Frasier might come back. However, I instantly went, ooh, it's always hard to recapture that energy and magic. A great example is Arrested Development. First season back on Netflix, yikes. Woof. Woof. My f favorite comedy. What's my favorite comedy? Uh, TV show or movies? To TV show. Stars a, a bald man. Yeah, well, it's Larry David. Yeah, Larry David, yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Larry David took like five years off and came back. This last season was rough. It was rough because you lose that rhythm. Now, luckily, Filoni's been working on Rebels. So I don't think Filoni's lost a step. My Filoni has a first name. It's D-A-V-E. My Filoni has a first name. It's D-A-V-E. Yeah, I feel like he hasn't lost a step. So I think Clone Wars is going to come out swinging. They know how good it needs to be. But I'm always skeptical when I hear, we're diving back into that TV show world that we love because usually... It's awkward, so hopefully it's not. I don't think it's going to be. Um, I actually really liked how the Clone Wars ended. I get it; it didn't end. So I probably will rewatch, and maybe we'll do that because we're going to be real light on content for the next couple of months. Maybe we'll do like a segment. Would you guys leave it in the comments? Would you guys like that if we watch the three of us? We watched over Instagram Live every Clone Wars episode together. We watched a huge chunk of it. Would you guys be into that? I think that would be something cool for us to do. Um, to get excited for these last two episodes. I think this is great. I'm, I'm Fans like Savannah Kiefer, Corey Wolfpack, a, a lot of these folks that absolutely love the Clone Wars, it does make me happy that they're getting this thing that they like desperately love. But I would just say speculate responsibly and hold those expectations back 
don't put so much pressure on this thing because they're about to learn possibly how original trilogy people felt when the special editions came out. Yeah. That's a really, don't yeah, that's like dead on. Like if you had said George Lucas is putting Star Wars back out in the big screen and he's updating some of the visual effects, what did you think when you heard that? No, 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 you're right. Exactly. You're right. And it, what it is 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 Lucas's tone and his his point of view shifted as he got older. He became more inter interested in telling story for his 12-year-old boys. Like, it, it just, it changes. So I, I don't think that's going to happen with Clone Wars here, but I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to get a great 12 episodes and the trailer was rad. It was super cool. Yeah, you know, I'm excited to see it. All I'm going to say about this is, is that I know I, I'm friends with several people who may not be the biggest fans of the Disney era of Star Wars who are very excited about Clone Wars coming back. Um, however, they're, you know, they, they sort of have taken the side that they have felt like um, they've been, th that side of the Star Wars fandom has been neglected. And I think that personally, relax, we don't have to get into it. All I'm going to say is I feel like this was always part of the plan. We just needed to get through sort of the relaunching and reintroduction of the original trilogy characters and things like that. And now we're able to really play in the sandbox. And I think it's a good thing. And I think that it's always been a part of the plan. It's not all about you. <laughs> it's not all about that person who said that. I'm sorry. This is a, they bought something for $4 billion. Hmm? When you buy something for $4 billion, the first thing in your brain isn't, you know what would really get them mad? Let's cancel that cartoon they like. No, dude. Yes, it's always been a part of the plan. Like, that makes me so frustrated because to me, I go, that, it's like, what, what do they have to benefit to doing that? So, I'm sorry, but like, if you're that, if you, if you think that Disney in some way is that spiteful that they were like, we're going to cancel it, but we'll give it back because they're you mad. you think they've got the time to just even sit and do that? Oh. Delusional. We're moving on, Please. buddies. We've got more prequel news. Alex Backus, you know how you wrote that like story in your Miss whatever her name is class, that, that writing class in seventh grade or whatever oh, it was yeah. we talked about earlier? Does that mean you're a big fan of reading literature and books? Kind of. I probably would have liked more if I had had an encouraging, nurturing teacher, but I didn't. I had someone who didn't understand that, that a, she had a kid who was more creatively focused and didn't know how to teach him. There's a problem in the American school system. <laughs> Keep going. How would you feel about a book all about Qui-Gon and his Padawan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, pre The Phantom Menace? All right, well, Claudia Gray is... <laughs> Coming out with a book called Master and Apprentice. It's following Qui-Gon and Obi. We're getting another book. Uh, we're getting another book that's all about Miss Padme Amidala and her transformation from queen to senator. Mm -hmm. um, that, that'll be coming out. Are you going to rush out and read some literature? Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Probably not. <laughs> Are you super pumped? Sure. <laughs> Sounds tight. <laughs> Sounds really cool, man. All right, we got more prequel news. How about how about some Hasbro stuff? Okay. Do you like Hasbro? I do. We love Hasbro. I love Hasbro. How would you feel if I told you that you might be able to get a Force Effects lightsaber of like, say Mace Windu's purple lightsaber? 
<laughs> Wait, are they really doing that? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, Hasbro announced at their panel at San Diego Comic-Con that they will be making Force Effects lightsabers for uh, prequel era Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Mace Windu, and Darth Maul's double lightsaber. So basically they're just bringing back all the ones that they... You know what they're doing? That's the MO. All that shit came out back when Clone Wars was out. Those bastards. I'm they telling just, you. They just took it from us and now they're giving it back. And we're buying it's it again. It's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. Mm. That's if cool. If I could like twist my mustache right now. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, let me go back to the novels. Okay. More Star Wars stories. Great. I hope you guys all enjoy it when it comes out. Um... I know there's a lot of passionate Qui-Gon fans out there. I'm always, I would say this, it is interesting that they're choosing to tell an Obi-Wan Kenobi novel with Qui-Gon. I would find that choice interesting. So I would say if you are interested in a movie about said character, I would say gobble that book up and let them know how much you like it. Prequel era Sabres is cool. Mace Windu's fun. Um... Darth Maul's double-sided lightsaber, like... Uh, you don't need the Force Effects double light, lightsaber? Well, you have to... If they guarantee you it's going to be just like the Master Replica one, you had to buy two and connect them. Really? Yeah, bro. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, bro. Maybe it'll be both. They'll do a little bit, like, 200 bucks. I'll call Saber Bay. Ooh. Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. Saber Bay. Cool. I'll probably get those, although I don't have all of them. I don't have all the Black Series ones. I only have Luke... And I have Ray. And Vader, right? Yeah, but Vader's not a Black Series. It's an old Master Replica. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we got some more. We're going we're gonna to come back to Hasbro. Okay. Since we're talking about books and we're talking about prequels, uh, I have a little question real quick. You're not really a comic book guy. I'm not really a comic book guy. We enjoy comic books. We, I've read we... a lot of the new Marvel comics. I've okay. read a lot of them. Now, if I was to say Maxi Series, what does that mean to you? Maxi series? It sounds like Jar Jar Binks saying Maxi Big the series. Cisco has his hand up. Cisco, what is a maxi series? Something like around 12, 13 inches long. All right. Well, Marvel. Something around 12, 13 inches long. Sounds like Jar Jar Binks going, oh. Marvel maxi has big. announced a 30 issue maxi series. Oh, Maxi Big the series. That is going to take place, that's going to basically take place and connect the entire saga. So we're going to get stuff from the prequel. The original trilogy and the new trilogy. This all connects. All connects. It's called Age of Republic. We're going to get eight issues for Age of the Republic. It's going to follow four heroes, four villains. Okay. We're going to get Qui-Gon and Maul, Obi and Jango, Anakin and Dooku, Padme and Grievous. Those are going to be the first ones to come out. Cool. Then we're going to get Age of Rebellion, which okay. is going to take place. Similar thing. And then we're going to get Age of Resistance after that. But it sounds like it's going to be some big, sprawling, like, 30-book epic. Sounds rad. I'll be curious to see how it all ties in together. Uh, they're playing a lot about, like, generations and dipping back into some classic stuff. So I wonder if maybe this is the plan mm -hmm. during this gap, this really big gap, is to now go back in and, in and explore prequel era original trilogy era, and some of those spaces that are kind of left open and nebulous. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. Uh, boy, I would prefer movies than all these books being announced. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm, I'm a little 
listen, celebration's coming up. We got a lot of time to announce a lot of movies. Like, there's going to be a Star Wars movie almost every year for the rest of my life, probably. Like, I'm not worried about that. Mm -hmm. But, groovy, sounds cool. I'm looking forward to see how this all ties into the greater picture of the content that'll be coming out for us. But, sounds fun. I'll, I'll probably read it. I'll probably read it, but I'll read the trades. I'll get the, the big. resistance trade. I'll probably buy the whole thing. Yeah. I'll buy the, oh, Maxi Big the trade. That was like a Yoda, Jar Jar. <laughs> All right, back to Hasbro, baby. We've got some new Black Series figures coming out, baby. Mr. Stevie. Mr. Stevie. He announced some new figs for us. Mr. Stevie announced some figgies. Yes, he did. First up, we are getting some... Rebels Black Series figures. We are getting the younger Ezra from Aladdin Rebels. Ezra. Aladdin Ezra. Uh, no Padawan ponytail Ezra. Uh, he never had a Padawan ponytail. He had a shaved oh, head. Oh, it's right. He had a shaved Come head. Come on, man. Yeah, whatever. You don't, for someone who notices the different grips in Black Series figures, you got to pay attention, man. That's a total Steve thing like, oh, he, had, oh, he, mm, he doesn't really have the Kung Fu grip. I don't know what's going on over here. Mm -hmm. Anyways, we're also getting Chopper. That's cool. It's pretty cool. Is Chopper going to be a deluxe with that big thing of I don't know, man, because I was looking at it online today, and like they don't mention anything about it being a deluxe. Cool, because I hope it's just in the normal size box. I hope so, but he's got like some flame stuff. His arms come out. He's got wheels. It's pretty intense, He's, he's man. pretty crazy, but... It's nice to know they've put more effort into Chopper than they have C-3PO and R2-D2. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> My favorite figure that was announced that I am super excited for is we are getting a Rio Durant Black Series figure. Tight. I love it. It's a Wookiee. It's a Wookiee. It's a Wookiee. I'm way into that. Now, Hasbro also announced they are starting a new little thing that's going to be coming out. Uh, every year we're going to basically get four to eight hard to find figures. And they're going to be called the Black Series Archive. It's as if millions of scalpers suddenly cried out in terror as their business model was blown to smithereens. Don't kid yourself. They just now get to redo it all over again. Yeah, they're just going to buy up all those toys and yes. make those hard to get. We are going to get, first up, we're going to get Boba Fett. We're going to get IG-88. We're going to get Bosk. Um, and we are going to get a re-release with photo, real, facial scanning printing of luke of rebel pilot luke oh boy it's pretty awesome uh i love that they're going to be doing the photo scanning mm -hmm. it'll be hard to not pick those toys up but i think i'm gonna draw the line i don't think i'm gonna get the archive series the box looks rad the box looks rad the box why does the box look better for an archive Black Series than a traditional Black Series? I don't Maybe that's a clue into what we'll be getting for the next round of boxes. Maybe it'll be that, but blue or yellow or orange. Mm -hmm. And then the white ones will just be the archive ones. Man, I hope that's the case because I think we've... I think these little red boxes have overstayed their welcome. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I took mine off my wall. Because I was like, I'm getting really tired of looking at black and red boxes. I just, I'm like, I'm bored looking at these. It's just, they're not, the toys are super interesting inside. And yes, I could open them, but I'm not going to do that because that's not how I like to 
open and I don't like to collect and display open toys. So now I have a new way of displaying them. It's the toys aren't on display, but I just I'm kind of sick of the black and red box. I love the toys. I still have them all pre-ordered. Can't wait to find that chubby little Grimorian guard, but like hard pass. It bums me out that the archive box is so much cooler than a normal black series box. How do you feel about that? I think it's really cool. You know me, I have spent the last several months sort of, uh, I would say being very selective with the Black Series figures that I purchase. I no longer have to get all of them. Um, I think it's really cool. I don't know that Are I... you just stoked that you don't need to get them because you already have them? A little bit, right? Isn't it a bit I don't of a know that I'm, like I don't know if it's that for me. I think I'm stoked to see them. I'm stoked to see that people are going to get a chance to get them uh, that may have missed out on them. I'm stoked to know that maybe people are actually going to be able to get them for the $20 and not some dumb scalper pricing. Like I'm pretty to me I like it. I respect it. I think it's really great. I think it's great for fans that are newer to the Black Series collection. Um, I was trying to cuz I was going to ask you this question. I can't really think what I would do other than maybe like, you know, if you could pick a, an archive figure to get the new facial scanning, is there one figure that you think deserves it besides droopy-eyed Poe Dameron and the first wave of Force Awakens toys? That's rough. That one's pretty rough, dude. Uh, I would actually, you want to show one, and this is not because I'm like a creep or a weirdo, I actually probably would do Slave Leia. You're right. Because that figure's rad, but the painting is rough. It's a really cool figure. It just looks really cool in the box. The colors are nice yeah. and interesting. Obviously, Slave Leia, I think that character's fucking cool. I know there's there's controversy around that character, but I think if they were to give her the, the facial printing and have her looking like Carrie Fisher, I think that would be a cool toy. Plus, I think that's a hard one to get, but it, they'll never do that one because that was a peg warmer. Yeah. That toy sat on pegs. Boy, I tell you what. Like what Cassie and Andor is, that was Slave Leia at our choice. We had Slave Leia, we had uh, we, Greedo. As I call him, Guido. Greedo. We had Greedo. <laughs> number Greedo. one Star Wars fan. <laughs> I'm number one. Number one Star Wars fan. Revenge, Re Return of the Sith is my favorite movie. I love Return of the Sith. And Guido's my favorite character. I love Guido. Okay. My favorite character. Don't at me. My favorite character. Bing, bomb, boom. Bing, bam, boom. I like... Honey Skywalker, <laughs> and I like uh, Princess Laura, and I love it when they hang out with Kenobo. Kenobo, Obwan Kenobo. Yeah, dude, this guy doesn't know what he's fucking Love saying. it. Yeah. Love Dark Verder. Dark Verder? I like Dark Verder, is awesome. Dark Verder? I had dude. someone call him Han Zolo. Hey, Han Zolo? don't mess with Han Zolo, okay? Han Zolo? Han Zolo's my second favorite character. <laughs> Burke Sternwalker. I was really upset. I was really upset with Hans Zolo shot hey man, Guido. You missed Burke Sternwalker. <laughs> Burke Sternwalker is awesome. It's basically like sounds like really bad Star Wars porn names. Yeah, Burke Sternwalker is like brown hair with a black like basically it's Biggs in a Luke Skywalker outfit. Burke Sternwalker. <laughs> Have you heard the legend of Burke Sternwalker? No. His dad was a dark... Dirk Verder. Dirk Verder and Dirk Verder. Sternwalker. Dirk Verder. We should have called Breathing Noises Dirk Verder. I'm annoyed. Dirk Verder is a good name. Dirk Verder. 
Oh. Forgot, what do we call this episode again? Oh, yeah, Frasier Frazier dominates, the, dominates clone. the Clone Wars. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, well, this, <laughs> this brings me to the last bit of news. This is some very sad news. Um, good friend of the show, um, someone we look up to. Sorry, we're going to bring it down for a minute. Um, if you don't already know, and uh, John Schnepp passed away uh, while we were doing Comic-Con last week um he was in critical condition all week leading up to it he had a massive stroke um john was a big inspiration for us john you know john was great on collider john had a great career with metacalypse space ghosts um he directed the ucb tv show um just a he's in ferris bueller's he's day in off. ferris bueller's <laughs> day off as an extra in the background um you you may some of you that have been with us since the beginning you may have been here with us for, for when he came into the studio and got sweaty with us um he is the man who came up with the term sweaty that we pretty much stole from him yeah um we loved him um yeah i mean it's i think like jermaine lucier like summed it up he was like it was weird like being at comic-con was weird without Schnepp even just being present there. I, I don't, it's, it's always weird because I don't want to feel like I'm, um, I only know Schnepp through the time he came to yeah. our set and sat down with us. I only know him through tweeting with him on Twitter and watching Metalocalypse. I know him through his work. I got to have one really long, kind of bizarre, sweaty night with him in our studio where, like, if you guys don't know, the way we do our show is, like, our guests come in and we always sit down to this, like, family dinner before the guest comes in. And we like to sit and just talk over a meal because it kind of loosens everybody up. And then when they get into the set, it doesn't feel so manufactured and forced. We're able to just feel comfortable with them. And, like... <laughs> straight up I knew we were in for it like when Schnepp got here he showed up in like it was a velvet blazer it I was believe. it was a velvet like crushed velvet crushed velvet like tux tux suit with like like a slayer shirt or something underneath it I, I was like oh man we are like it's gonna it's gonna be on like he's about to get really sweaty he ordered a tuna melt which I thought I was just like you can tell so much about a person. He orders a tuna melt, and he had a, a single ketchup packet with every fry. And, like, that's that to me will always be my schnep moment because I'm like, this guy was so... We sat for, like, two hours. Two hours before, before we, even, we even taped. But to, why I bring up the one ketchup packet per fry is nobody I've ever met is so 100% uniquely themselves and unapologetically themselves like John Schnepp was. And that is what I admire the most about him. He lived his life in a way only John Schnepp could live his life. And that is something I hope for myself. It's something I hope for you. It's something I hope for everybody who's had the pleasure of knowing John, who's a part of his life. I hope that for you. I hope that you get to live your life the schneppiest, 
the sweatiest way you could because honestly then we will all have lived a rad fulfilled Epic life. life yeah yeah all i gotta say is is i was a fan of schnapps and i a couple years ago i tagged along with you to comic con didn't have any passes um you had an event that you had to go to i basically kind of snuck crashed back into a a party at a at the ho at one of the hotels and i was sitting there drinking by myself and I had just seen Schnepp's documentary that it literally had just come out like the week before about the making of uh, Superman Lives. And I was sitting there and I saw Schnepp walk in and I like cornered him and was just like, oh my God, I, I, I just fitzed and sweated all over him. And the dude sat down and like got sweaty talking Star Wars and 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 movies with me. And, and it was one of those things where I was like, wow, like this dude... Is he's pretty well known in the comic world. Like Comic Con, he's sort of the king of it, and he took the time to just sort of sit and chill and talk with me. And I remember I was so just like, wow, that was really awesome that he took the time to just kind of kick it for a little bit with me. Um, and so over the course of us producing the show and everything, and reaching out with him and using the sweaty emojis with him all the time on Twitter, um, and getting to spend that evening with him here for those like five hours. Um, you know, we all could be better off being more like, more like Schnepp, you know, and like, you know, you, you said it perfectly and he, he just, he was an awesome dude and we only kind of got to know him over this short little time that we've been doing this show, but, um, I really appreciate the time we got to spend with him and get to know him and, um, yeah, it's just a bummer that he's, he's not with us anymore. I wish I had bought that earnest string pull doll. He was selling at his booth at DesignerCon. I'm going to be kicking myself. He was selling an Ernest goes to camp like Ernest string pull doll that said like, ew. Or Vern. Yeah. Hey, Vern. Hey, Vern. It was just like, and again, I, I'll keep going back to that, that same thing about Schnepp. Is he, dude, he was Schnepp. He was the King Sweaty. And... Uh, we're going to do something where we're going to take a little thing from another one of our, uh, 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 someone we look up to, which is Mark Marin. Yeah. Whenever um, someone passes away that has been on a Marin show, he will uh, take that week's episode and instead he will replay, replay basically the interview that he had with them. Um, and I think that would be great so some of our newer folks can see just how important Schnepp was to us, like what it meant to us to have him come into our studio. And for our folks that have been with us for a while, you can uh, replay that memory with us because I haven't watched it since we, we did it. I mean, we do almost a new interview every week, so it becomes easy to forget about it. But um, uh, with that being said, we'll just play the interview. Um, and I think the interview will just uh, play out. I we won't do anything after the interview. So uh, with that being said, guys, why don't we take it to interviews? We are here with royalty, the King Sweaty, the king of all sweaties, John <laughs> Schnapp. Bow. Oh my gosh. King Hold on, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm sweating. We're so sweating. sweating. Got the hot lights yes. going on. So, <laughs> you guys have the ultimate set. Like, so I was asking about, is that from the Death Star? They're like, we, they handcrafted it and made it. It's, it's badass. So. so for those of you who don't know, we use the term sweaty on this show all the time. 
He invented it. We stole it from him. Hey, this man. is his coined term. I'm happy that it's being it's used. Him. Yeah, and, and the people are always like, well, why are you calling people sweaty? I'm like, it's because when you get excited about Sorry. something you're into, you start to, you're like, if you're talking about back issues from a comic book or like something like the holiday special, like, no, see, the animation was done in Canada. It's like, oh, you're like, oh, oh. oh. oh yeah, so it's sweat. called getting, sweat like, is becoming real. A, getting sweaty or becoming a sweaty nerd. Yeah. That's what, that's just showing your, like, your love for something. So I think it's a, an endearing term. And also, if you've gone to Comic-Con, you've met a bunch of sweaty nerds. Oh, so that's yeah. Just, that's just how it is. And once we transition yeah. into greasy, then it's an insult. Yeah. It's like, sweaty yeah. is passion. Yes. If you're a yeah. greasy nerd, yeah. it's like, oh, that guy's greasy. Yeah, you want to yeah. stay away. Yeah, the greasy nerd has not become cool yet. <laughs> get back to 2025 and be like, yo, I'm a greasy nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Come on in. The combed, yeah, oily right. hair. The extra oily, like oh. the, sh the super shuffle Getting jacket. Greasy. Yeah, I'm greasy. Come on in, man. It's a greasy party. Yeah. Greasy. We're so, not ready for that yet. <laughs> We're not there. But we are going to get sweaty on some Star yes, Wars today. So we always like to start our interviews off with a simple question, which is, what is your first memory of Star Wars? Let's see, my first memory of Star Wars. So growing up, you know, in the 70s, I was my childhood was in the 70s. I was already a big, like, uh, science fiction fan. I loved Godzilla. I loved the Twilight Zone. I loved Batman. I loved Star Trek. Um, I went and saw Logan's Run in the theater. And I heard about this Star Wars, the Star Wars movie was coming out. I would get the, my dad would get me these little like science fiction magazines. Uh, this is before Starlog exists, but they had a, a couple of magazines that, you know, were talking about this film that's coming out. THX 113 had already come out, but I hadn't seen it. It was like too adult for me to see. Um, and uh, I had to pay my allowance to my sister to take me to see Star Wars because she's a year and a half older than me. And so my parents were like, well, you can't go because you're like, you, I just turned 10. And it was like, you, you know, your sister has to take you. So I paid for her ticket with, you know, I, I made $3 allowance per week. So it was like the ticket was $1.25 or something. So um, she loved it. I was like, can I have my money back? She was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, come on. But anyway, that's how I saw Star Wars. It was like, it had just come out. I went there that Saturday and mind blown. My, everything Everything was different after that. Sort of like. Uh, you know how they had the toys? They had those early toys where you could get the, the little mail -away. the mail away cardboard early bird set. Special. Uh, I remember my dad was like, "Well, these toys are really flimsy and they're not really posable." Like he was like <laughs> always like in on the giant GI Joes. I had the like the GI Joes with the actual hair. Oh man, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're, they're bristly. You know, there's the redheaded GI Joe. I had the redheaded dude and the regular. Oh. They're all bearded. That they're toothbrush like toothbrush. Yeah, they're like we're ready to fight and we're bristly. You know, so I had those guys and. Um, it was cool. I was always coming up with my own characters, but the uh, Star Wars, the Kenner figures are also smaller yeah. than all the other toys that I was used to. I had gotten all those, all those Migos, yeah. like the Superman, Batman. They had a whole bunch of these different Migos at the time that were like, you know, more poseable, giant, had costumes and stuff. And these Star Wars toys didn't really fit with any of these things. So I was a very slow adopter of the Star Wars mm. toys. I'd be like, I just, I got Luke, I got Darth Vader. With the yeah. little dog tail yeah, with the weird, and the weird messed up light. Why is there a weird flippy tip thing? <laughs> I was the kid who broke it off right away. I was like, nah, I don't need that extra. <laughs> now they're like, that's worth an additional $100. Who cares? <laughs> I don't care. Guess what? I don't have the packaging either. Yo, it's like fucking <laughs> late. That shit. Yeah, I did keep the card backs, though. So I still, cool I still have, yes, yeah, so I still have cool. all the card backs because as each of these additions came out, they added more characters. There were originally only 12 for a long time. And then the movie blew up. I remember I saw it three times. Mm. And that was back in 1977. Back then, that was, that was weird. Yeah. yeah, like Jaws was the movie that two years before that was like, 
you know, I grew up on in West Haven, right along the coast, and me and my sister would, wouldn't go into the water after Jaws. We were like super freaked out, freaked freaked out all of America. Everybody, yeah, everybody I, saw it. I wouldn't go and I would get scared in my pool in my backyard. Yeah, because oh. Jaws could be yeah, in there. Could, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. You don't I don't know. I, I don't know how he's gonna get there, but he could. I didn't fuck with pools. After <laughs> I saw no. Jaws. So Star Wars, it was like. It was one of those situations where I, over the years, more and more people got into it, but the toys were very slow. I, like I saw that Boba Fett, I sent away for the Boba Fett, got the little, you know, things in the mail. My parents sent it away. I got Boba Fett like maybe uh, three months later. Oh, we didn't know who he was. Checking the mail every day yeah. for it. They had the holiday special. Even as a kid, we knew it sucked. You know? <laughs> like, What's Maude doing up in here? You know, I was like, yeah, the Carol Burnett extras, what, you know? <laughs> Everybody's in this thing and they're singing. What is this? You know, it's, what the fuck? You know, and so already all, sweating at a yeah, young age. You're like, yeah. I already take issues with this. Yeah, I have extreme issues with this. And you know, Boba Fett was underused or whatever. It was like, but no, I love Boba Fett from that. That was one of the cooler parts of the holiday special was that little animated segment. Darth Vader was in that animated segment, even just for a brief moment on like a telecom situation in the back. Had James, I believe it was James Earl Jones' voice. Everybody yes. just came back. No one had issues. It wasn't like I mean, hey, I you watch money. that. Harrison clearly does not want to be there. Yes, <laughs> like, he clearly is just like. But it's cool that he's there. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like, hey, Hans, that's a that's a, that is a actual real Han Solo. That's <laughs> part of that's real. That's not like ah, it's all a right, fake Han Chewie, Solo. we'll get you home for the yeah. holidays. What am I? Where am I? On Kaishak, a cheap set. <laughs> why, why are there all these weird Chewbaccas? It's like grumpy lumps. grimbles, lumps. I mean, what? I mean, this. You like look at that and you're like so dispassionately and you're like there's just a master shot that goes on for like 30 minutes the opening shot you're like what the fuck is this I mean it's like I mean I remember like as a kid I was like oh my god the Star Wars I cut it out of the TV guide I was like the Star Wars holiday special like I can't believe it's finally here and then watching it's like I don't know what I'm watching what is this you know so I always found it hilarious that clearly male wookies have names like itchy lumpy chewy, chewy. But then his wife's name is Mala, an act, right? like an, a proper like alien or like gentle feminine name. Yeah. But all the men in Wookiee society are like, that's itchy and scratchy yeah. and lumpy and grumbles dumpy. in the back, the chimbles <laughs> over here, scrambles, he's limpy, you know, everybody. Scrambles but I, you know, Life Day, the idea of it is kind of cool. Yeah, I think yeah. it feels like they ran out of Wookiee outfits. They're just like, just throw on that robe because there's all these people in the background who are like wearing Don Post Chewbacca masks <laughs> with just a weird like very light touch you know oh, yeah. robe where you're like that's not even a Wookiee it's just a person with a robe and a Wookiee mask in the background but it's kind of cool the idea of Life Day you're sort of like I could get behind Life Day if they they should make a new holiday special but like really put some money in that really like really in, get JJ to JJ, come in and be like yeah bring back Life this. Day yeah like, yo I'm this. bringing back Life Day <laughs> but like finally right yeah did you Four read years. any of the Original Marvel runs because when did you get into comics? Oh, you must have been into Dude, comics. I, at I a was young already age. into comics and I was reading that Star Wars comic. I had that when it came out, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth issues. I had all those issues. I had the Treasury Edition. I think I had the Star Wars comics before the movie came out. I can't remember if it came out before I think or after. It came out before, yeah, like I know they already. That was like an, yeah, a, you know, because they were already kind of doing those Planet of the Apes tie-ins. They had Logan's Run comics. I remember getting those. So there was like that tie-in that was there. Um, and I got them, and I remember like the the, the comics were great. I love them because it was like you could relive the movie. There weren't VHS. There was no way to relive yeah. the movie unless you go see it. Like I was saying, I went and saw it three times. I went with my sister the first time. I went the second time when I was in camp. We went as a class or as a trip, a field trip, which was awesome because all of us were like, we're seeing Star Wars again. And then the third time, 
was to convince I had to convince my parents they hadn't gone to see it. I was like, you've got to see this movie. Yeah. And they were like, but you've already seen it twice. I I want to see it a third time. They they didn't understand why I wanted to see it a third time. Yeah. So it was like it was that weird transitional thing. Like now we have people saying I've seen this movie fifty times. This was like right when that was happening, where people were like, I've already seen uh, Star Wars a hundred and fifty times. All those people would keep going back yeah. and back. Like if, I, if I was old enough and had my own money, I would be that person. I'd be like, I've seen it a hundred times. You know, I, <laughs> I see it every day after work. I would have been that person. Yeah. With other people of like mind, because it was so much fun. You know, that's that people forget about. There wasn't anything like it. There was nothing like. Well, plus, it. it was it, it was able to have a longer run. Oh yeah. In theaters too. Well, yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, theaters were. So much different because now the entertainment is like you have video games, you have your phone, you have Netflix, every streaming, regular TV, non-regular TV, you know, DV, like everything, anything. You're like distracted everywhere. You, the minute you wake up, you're fucking distracted with your phone. You're like, oh, who text message? You know, like email, text messaging, this, Instagram, Facebook. It's like 400 different versions of how will I communicate with you today through a picture or a text or a symbol? All of it. All of it. So. How do you go fucking check out and see a fucking movie for four, it's four hours, dude? You got to go there, got to park, get out, get your ticket, sit, see some previews, see the goddamn movie, get out. Maybe then you, oh, dinner, oh, five hours. So you have to you have to shave that out of just your normal before and after you sleep and go to work. I mean, so that and then but then people are like, have you seen the new whatever? They're like, I didn't even see ten fucking episodes. Time for that. Yeah, I see all of them. Well, how did you see ten episodes in one? I watched all of them. Like, I don't pace, sleep. Yeah, I don't sleep. No, nah, I pace shit out, and I don't give a. F I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna watch ten fucking episodes because I get angry if people are like, I spoil it. Like, well, in episode nine, this happened. I will kill a motherfucker. You know, I'm just saying. Like, I've done it too. People, you know, sometimes you just say a spoiler by mistake. You're like, look, this, this, and this. And this happened in episode two. I was like, I haven't seen episode two yet. I'm sorry. And then you realize you're doing a show, and maybe half those people who are watching the show maybe didn't see episode two or episode one yet. So I've tried to get better at that, when I, especially when I'm doing shows, like to be respectful of people who are like, I'm interested in Black Lightning. I just saw Black Lightning episode one and two. I thought it was fantastic. It was like a step above a lot of the other CW shows, especially the CW superhero shows. Didn't get into any specifics about anything that, really story-wise happens other than the main characters of both a principal and he has it's he was a superhero so it's kind of cool it's yeah. a very watchman-y like it's like i retired you know he was yeah. already a superhero and he's coming back so it's that's kind of a cool a cool storyline i know we're talking about star wars i'm talking about no, no that's, but, I'm sorry, that actually brings up a really great point right you're talking about how we consume media now yeah. as opposed to consuming media back then so this brings me to how would you say because i wasn't alive when the empire strikes back came out right. how would you compare the hype for something like that as opposed to something like the last jedi like, dude let me just tell you i just very you missed out a little bit but <laughs> all right it's but okay. it's okay cuz you know it's like for me as a uh, a 12 and a half years old boy going to see any movie that had that trailer cuz you couldn't just watch the empire strikes back on youtube cuz it yeah. didn't exist yeah. You can, like, you know, I've watched the Last Jedi trailer, like, zero times, because that pff, doesn't exist. Yeah. You have a picture that was released in Starlog of the, you know, the Millennium Falcon with a Star Destroyer. You, that trailer blew my mind. I, I, I was almost in tears when I saw it, because it was, like, had the John Williams theme song. You saw the Millennium Falcon, like, arcing. You go flying through the asteroids. Yeah. And you've played with these toys as a kid. And already had all these imagine, imaginary dreams and All the places stories. you could go. I, I was drawing Star Wars characters 
in my sketchbook, I have I have literally like ten sketchbooks filled with Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. And when Empire came out, I filled my sketchbooks with what was gonna happen. Well, Darth Vader is gonna fight Luke on this lava pit thing, and this and that, and the Emperor. So I, all those stories you heard about, you know, which ended up being in like the prequels, we all thought that was gonna happen in Return of the Jedi or mm. Revenge of the Jedi, is what it's called back then. I have like pins of Revenge of the Jedi that I was starting to go to conventions when I was twelve. It was called Creation, and there were like these Star Trek conventions that also had everything else. And I was like, for me, like being a geek in the '70s was horrible because there were not other. It wasn't a cool to be. A geek. <laughs> it wasn't chic. Like yeah. I, you know, was, you get beat up if you were. You could go to Urban Outfitters and get outfitted. Yeah, with geek couldn't because they didn't exist, and there were just a bunch of jock dudes who were like, "What's up, nerd?" <laughs> like I would get beat up all the time because I read comic books. It was like all the things that everybody's like cosplaying. You're like. Sometimes I'm like, man, it sucks to be a fucking old man. I want to fucking enjoy some of this shit. So I do enjoy it. But at the same time, it's like, man, it's like, now it's cool. Like, kids can grow up and embrace this. And I just only, like, only at conventions could I find my brethren. Yeah. Like, could I find other people that we could openly just start talking about these different things that I could never talk with maybe, like, three people in my entire, all of my school years were, like, three or four nerds. You know, and they were, like, very selective. Like, I only like Star Trek, nothing else. Or, like... You know, huh. Star Wars helped open that up a little bit, but, you know, opened it up and it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you're, what are you into Star Wars? It was still like, you know, an, even though everybody loved it, it was still, you'd get beat up because you were like too much into it. Or yeah, something. like at 14, it was like time to put the lunchbox away, but yeah. you were like, no, nah, nah, I was like reading up about Dune. I was like, <laughs> you know, they, they have the dictionary terms of Dune. For like, what? I was writing for our school paper, like doing sci-fi reviews. Nerd alert! Like super nerd! Yeah. Hair was all combed to the side. I was like, hey, what's up? We're in a brown sweater. Like, yeah, I like comic books. Comic books falling, getting beat up by fucking jocks. I grew a, a foot and a half, which really was awesome because when I was a junior, I was really getting beat up. So I took karate to, you know, be like, hey, I'm going to learn how to fight because I'm, I'm tired of getting beat up. Yeah. And then I also grew. So then I was able to call out all the punk ass bitches who like picked on me for like <laughs> yeah. seven years. And you know who you are if you're watching this. Fuck you. I, was I, able... hope, I hope now they're yeah. like, oh yeah. my God, yeah, it's they're... John Schnepp. Uh, yeah. I love watching the Star Wars talk show. I'm so mad that I was mean to him yeah, as a child. They should be. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it was, good. it was cool because I was able to like in front of all their dumb friends, I like just threw down my books. I was like, you want to you fight? fight me now? Let's go in front of all your friends. I'll kick your ass. And they backed down. That's awesome. So I was like, I didn't want to really hurt anybody, but it was like that kind of like, you have bullies that do that kind of stuff. At some point, you know, you turn the other cheek too many times or run away or just get beat up. And at some point you're sort of like, look, I'm, I'm ready to, you could fight me and I might get beat up, but I'm going to fight you. So it was like a couple of, I had that phase. I'm not violent or anything. I just had that, <laughs> that phase that happened to me, like it did it a couple of times. And I've been in a bunch of fights when I was growing up. It was like, that just happens when you're a kid, you end up getting in fights. And for me, it was like, Sometimes I would, you know, get beat up because I'd just have a big mouth and be like, yeah, fuck you, asshole. Then run away and get caught and get beat up because I, I just wouldn't give up being like, I'd get farther away and be like, yeah, and fuck you. And then they'd run and catch me again. I was like, God damn it. So it sounds like you stuck up for yourself a lot, though. You were like, a, yeah. even when you were getting beat up, you're like, no way, man. Is that, do you think that's from being inspired by stuff like comic books and Batman and Superman and Star Wars, watching these heroes defend what they I wouldn't compare in? myself to a hero or anything, but I would say that, uh, uh social mores and ethics are very yes. important to me and 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 being proud of what you do is very important to me and sticking up for your friends or being uh, sticking up with what you think is right is really important it's all you really have as a human being so to me that's like the most important thing is to you know it's not about backing down 
for some kind of pride, like pride, you know. Yeah. It's more about like defending what you believe in. So, and or if you know, if you feel like you're being wronged or something, you're like, hey, look, we we could talk about it, but if you're gonna call me out in front of us, you know, maybe it's gonna go there too. So let's get sweaty. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back. Sorry, we went into some childhood. <laughs> That's what I'm no, saying. No, I'm saying that's violence. sweaty. But uh, I walked. Um, I believe it was 18 times to the theater. My parents would let me because I was like 12 and a half, 13. At that point, they were like, "You're good. You yeah, can you're go. good." I, and it was like a two and a half mile walk from where I lived to the local uh, showcase cinemas, is what it was called in Connecticut. Um, and they had like seven theaters. And so I would walk and go to the matinee during the summers when Empire Strikes Back came out. And I would pay and see it and sit there two times, like through two shows sometimes. Most, sometimes it was one show, sometimes it was two shows. But I couldn't get enough of that movie. But the trailer alone, you were talking about the hype of something like yeah. that. Because those kinds of films, like, you know, you didn't really have that giant kind of hype machine yeah. where, where people were literally, I couldn't, I couldn't wait. Like, Darth Vader is, like, in that cool, like, you know, you are not a Jedi yet. And then they're fighting and he's jumping and it's like... These, you know, editing together all these amazing scenes of like the snow speeders and this, just all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like it's so much amazing ima- imagination unleashed for, for kids as well as adults. Yeah. So I feel like the the age of the spectacle was really kind of starting up. It started in the early '70s and really kind of started really hitting it at full full stride with like Raiders and Star Wars and all these bigger films that. You know, obviously, we're odes to the uh, serialized serials, Raiders and Star Wars, Flash Gordon. They're, they're the odes mm-hmm. to the early serials, but done in this really cool, fantastic, great story polished, way. Yeah. yeah, very polished. You have incredible directors like Steven Spielberg making Raiders: The Lost Ark. I think is one of the greatest action films ever mm-hmm. made. It's rewatchable. It's pretty tight. It's, it's I mean, close I, to perfect. I, yeah, I feel yeah. it is perfect. I mean, yeah. you know. He's got a couple of films that are like literally perfect films. Jurassic Park is one of it yep. is a complete perfect film as far as far as being an action adventure film. It's like yes. beginning, middle, end. It's like it hits all the beats. It Jaws moves fast. Yeah, Jaws perfect. Jaws. You'd say right. Yep. E. T. E. T. It's perfect for what it is. Close Encounters perfect for what it is. Raiders. I mean, Raiders perfect. So I mean, they're fi- they fit into s- certain subgenres. So I'm not going to combine. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. like to compare them against each other. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. feel like. Spielberg was just like hitting it every time, you know. Lucas not so much, you know. Lucas was like made Star Wars, had a lot of people helping him make that. It became it's his vision, but he was able to finesse it and help it got finessed really to what it really is, what we got used to from a lot of people helping him make yeah. it what it is. And then he kind of like because of personal differences, kind of gave Empire to other people, like yeah. other people to write it, Lee Brackett and then Lawrence Kazin. Directed by Irvin Kirshner, all these different people kind of involved in Empire, even though he was there making it, overseeing it. I think, you know, it's like we were talking about this before the podcast. Like, I love George Lucas as the innovator, the creator of technology that we use now, even to be filming this and to edit nonlinear digital editing. He's, you know, THX sound, ILM, special effects, Photoshop, all of these things that we've taken for granted all stem from the creation of him creating that. Like, the people who worked at ILM created Photoshop and scrimped off and made that Photoshop Adobe. The people, like, the people who created the edit droid, the nonlinear digital editing system, then became the Avid, which became the benchmark to be able to stop messing around with actual film, and, and then it freed us. I became an editor. A friend of mine had got an Avid back in the early 90s, and I learned how to make my own science fiction show in the early 90s. I made this crazy show. I'll release it this year. You can see it. It's called Mad Science. Made it with my friend David Murray. It's one of the first That's things awesome. I did. Uh, we made three crazy episodes. The Upright Citizens Brigade are in it. So I, all these people were like all kind of coming together in Chicago in the 90s to make stuff. 
And we couldn't have done it without that kind of technology. After Effects, Adobe Photoshop, Avids, all those th all of those are due to George Lucas. I yeah. mean, when you go back to how those end up becoming part of our society now, it's just a given. Now we're just, oh, iMovie on the phone. Just, just the idea of being able to move images around without having some weird, oh, where's all the, the tapes? Yeah, yeah, things taped up and like splicing. Is <laughs> I never have to do that again. I actually ended I, you know, when I was in college, I edited a film with the chunk chunk, you know, like, <laughs> must put the tape on splicing really, yeah. like with real yeah, tape. Yeah. So it's not fun. So you, so you obviously get into creative fields. You work for, you do a lot of stuff with comic books. You're a writer. You've done some editing. You directed. I'll get, I'll get sweaty for a second. One of my favorite animated shows of all times is Metalocalypse. Oh, right on. I absolutely adore that show. To this day, I think <coughs> it's underrated. Under, it's so good. If you haven't seen Metalocalypse, is it's on iTunes? Yeah. It's also on Hulu. Yeah. Oh. So you can see all sixty episodes. I produced all sixty episodes. I directed thirty-four of them. Um. I designed the characters yeah. with my friend uh, Tommy Blatcher. He asked me to get involved with it. So me and, and Tommy and Brendan all worked together. I came up with the characters. I made a little pitch thing with Brendan's Death Clock mm -hmm. song. We sent it to Adult Swim, and they were like, we're going to buy it. Yeah. And then cut to, like I think it was like took about eight months for them to finish all the contracts and stuff. We uh, started the series like later that year in 2005. We moved into Titmouse. Who they, they had just moved into this office, so everything was kind of synergistically like, Let's do this. So I storyboarded and edited the first three episodes of Death Clock myself. I didn't give myself credit on everything, but I was like, I directed the show, but I, I still have all my original storyboards. And it was like, you know, for myself, I was making it very cinematic and this and that. And it was like doing animation. I remember Chris was like, you can't have all these backgrounds. It's too many. Because I was just like, I would draw it. I was like, make this background. I know, but somebody has to paint that. I was like, yeah. I was like, no, but you can't. Like, we have to do 20 Gotta shows. Trim this down. Yeah, it was like, instead of Budgets, so the, man. Yeah, no, it was, it was like that kind of reality where, you know, later on we learned to be like, oh, let's just put them in, you know, the Mord House's kitchen or put them in the CFO's room. So, and we'd have those funny scenes where they would just be talking about stuff, but we could reuse those backgrounds and then we could do new backgrounds. So that was kind of the, the compromise. But when you're starting up a show, every background is new. We don't have, there was nothing to cull from. So it's sort of like, you know, it was pretty crazy. And I was very much like, this episode, we're going to do a Frank Frazetta tribute. So Thunder Horse, yeah. that's kind of done in that kind of Frazetta style because my, my, what I wanted to do was every episode would have a different music video style. Yes. So I was able to accomplish that with about eight or nine of the first season's episodes. Like they, and especially coming from, I used to edit Space Ghost. I was editing a lot of different television shows and commercials and stuff and had directed uh, Upright Citizens Brigade before I came on to do Metalocalypse. So I had had that kind of experience. So I was bringing like a lot of that with me to Metalocalypse. And it was, it was so much fun to just make each music video its own thing and also be able to play with the, the editing timing because from editing Space Ghost, well, overlapping dialogue with Toki and, and Squiscar and then weird pauses with Nathan or Murderface. So it was like giving yeah. that back to the Adult Swim world was really was really cool for me and all of the whole team that I work with on Metalocalypse. So I'm glad you dug it. Um, I, it's one of my proudest achievements. It's making a death metal cartoon show. And the greatest thing is like while we were working on it, so many of the death metal bands and just regular bands were like, fuck you, you making fun of metal? And we're like, no, dude, we love, <laughs> we love metal. Like, I was a big heavy metal fan. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a death metal fan yet, but Tommy was like, yo, you got to listen to Behemoth. Here's some Cannibal Corpse. Was, so while I was working on Death yeah. for a year and a half before it ever even came out, for before while I was designing the characters, I was listening to all this music and it was just like, 
man, Amon and Marth and all these amazing, like, just, like, you just feel, like, the power of metal, like, surging yeah. through you, especially with death metal. It's just, it's just, there's nothing else like it. So, for me, like, it was fun that when the the, the series finally came out, I was like, either everyone's going to hate it or they're going to love it. There's no middle ground. So, we were very happy that it was a, people, you know, yeah, got it, into it. So. A lot of my comedy buddies, when I was, when I first moved to L.A., that was like, oh, are you watching Metalocalypse? Mm-hmm. You've got to be watching. I have a little, a murder face that's like this oh, big sure. that yeah. I got from Kid, Kid Robot. Robot. Yep. Yeah. I was like, I got murder face from the Kid Robot. <laughs> yeah. The mystery bag. I was like, yeah. I thought yeah. it was like the greatest. His little, his little, oh my yeah. God. It's they so... made Toki too. I always wish they made the other band members. It was just Toki and murder face. Yeah. So I was like, God damn it. Like for myself, I was like, cool to have all those little, you know, people, little kid guys hanging out. They made, a, you know, these action figures. Like a year later, but they're you know they're they're like they're kind of like Star Wars action figures. They're like, <laughs> but the old ones where they're like, what's I'm the, here. What's know? that like to be someone who grew up loving your Star Wars action figures to work on a property where you're seeing your own action figures? It was both cool and frustrating because the the figures came out okay. They weren't great and they didn't suck. So they were like somewhere in the middle. So it was kind of fun when I finally got the packaged Death Clock characters. I was like, wow, that's I designed these characters. For the eight years I worked on Metalocalypse, the first four years I lived and breathed. I was there every day till two in the morning. I was there on weekends. I was I was overseeing everything from beginning to end. From They'd give me the script. I would, I would work with the storyboard artists. I would board my own parts of the music videos. I would go over all the background designs, the character designs, the edit. I would be in the voiceover record booths with Luke Skywalker. So there yeah. we go. That's a good segue. Yeah. So Mark <laughs> Hamill ended up being a bunch of different voices on Metalocalypse. And I remember meeting Mark Hamill for the first time. And I literally was like being both a Star Wars fan and a Batman the Animated Series fan. Which we had Paul Dini on the show right. last year. Yeah. I, you know, it was one of those like he was talking to me. And it was like, like all in my mind. I was like, I'm talking to Luke Skywalker. I'm talking to Luke Skywalker is talking to me. Yeah. Like I couldn't really concentrate for like maybe the first i don't know how many minutes i was just like uh-huh mm-hmm. and he was telling me about blues brothers 2000 or something like that and he was very he's a super incredibly nice guy he's also a giant nerd he's a comic book reader and collector so finding all those things out years later because and working with him for like eight years he'd just come in do do these voices very talkative and for, for me i always remember i was like i can't talk to him about star wars don't mention luke skywalker don't do this do this but I, I felt like the first time I talked to him, I think it was the second episode, I mentioned, oh, the Joker, you know, fucking I love that series. And he started ta- telling me some Joker stories and this and that. And it was, I think, maybe the third or fourth episode when he was in the record booth. And it was me, Tommy, and Brendan, and the recording person, one of the producers. And Hamill was like, well, you know, George, just out of the blue, started telling a George story. And we were yeah. all like, like just literally <laughs> everything was quiet. Record, yeah. No, we were recording. <laughs> everything is recorded. So it was like, just, you know, we were just sort of like, it was fun to hear <laughs> stories about like how, how he didn't, you know, he was like, ah, you know, Phantom Menace, uh, you know, like, just his own <laughs> opinions about stuff. Yeah. And he's just a cool dude. His son Nathan is cool. So, you know, Chelsea, the, the whole family is really great. Yeah. So it was like, you know, it's not like I don't hang out with Mark Hamill. I just, I see him once in a while at conventions or whatnot. And I, I went to go see Man of Steel with him for my second time. I went with him and, and Nathan. We went and saw Man of Steel. That was kind of fun. And that was before the return of Luke Skywalker. Well, which yeah. just brings me to my next question, yeah. which is, so you, you're there are there are three types of fans. I feel like three real generations of Star Wars. You've got the folks that were there from the beginning. You've got the folks that came in in the special edition prequel era, right. and now you've got folks that are now just really discovering Star Wars through the sequel trilogy. Right. What's it like, have been a fan of Luke Skywalker at a young age, growing with that character, right. and now seeing 
the adult version of Luke Shire. Is that a powerful moment, seeing that on screen? Wow. For, yeah, for me it was. It was really moving, um, especially with Last Jedi. Um, for me, like the I love The Force Awakens. I'll just get that out of the way right away because I'm one of those people who didn't like the prequels. And before the show, I was telling you, like I stood in line to see Phantom Menace with a billion people with lightsabers at the Ch Man's Chinese. I got my tickets. And 20 minutes in, I was staring at my chair like, I'm bored at a Star Wars movie. How is this possible? I really left the theater. Just I didn't talk to anybody. I was just bummed out. Hmm. I mean, look. Was Darth Maul cool? Yeah. Was that lightsaber battle cool? Of course it was. You loved the opening. You were telling us the opening's yeah, the awesome. The opening sequence where they're like put on the little breathe mask and they're like cutting through the thing. They're like, they're breaking in. Like the horrible Japanese stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. and like just the craziness of the, that, you know, all that stuff is just, we can't even get into that. That's a whole hour long discussion. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so for me, the prequels were ultimately disappointing because having grown up with Star Wars, having grown up with that mythology, have, seeing it happen and being kind of a part of it like by drawing and imagining star mm. wars stories and buying those comic books i have all of the marvel the entire run of one through 107 that's so awesome the entire original marvel's comic books because they're great even the weird green rabbit jackson or something <laughs> yeah hey what, what are you doing solo <laughs> anyway so you go through dark horse you go through the transition of all these different kinds of marvel the power of the force yeah. like 95 when they're starting to do those special editions they were fixing the you know traveling mat shots of the yeah. tie fighters and stuff like that so i was like please fix that lightsaber shot and they didn't the first edition of star wars that that came out uh didn't they added jabba but they didn't fix that darth vader the, when that door was seen his lightsaber was still white i was yeah. like yo dude <laughs> Like, this is special edition, dude. Like, you got to fix all the problems, not just add Jar Jar. I mean, I'm sorry, Jabba. Like, and also a shitty version of Jabba, by Oh, the way. and then when, like, Han, like... Yeah. It's like a little escalator yeah. up oh, over him and down. But, uh, yeah, so for me, the those prequels were really disappointing. And then enough time passed that when I got the news, like, as we all did a couple of years ago, that George sold Star Wars to Disney, we're, like, I would long given up. On episode seven, I was like, "There's the six movies, and you know, and I got to just pretend those prequels don't exist." And I'm okay. We were talking about like Batman, and like you know, when you're eight and you watch Batman and Robin, you should enjoy Batman and Robin because you're fucking eight, and that's okay. And I feel the same way with Star Wars. It's the yeah. Phantom Menace or or the Attack of the Clones. Like I hate sand. Hey, you should be in. If you're nine or ten, you should be like with Anakin, hating sand. You know? Yeah. Look. Revenge of the Sith, sure, they had the cool opera scene where he's like, Darth Plagueis, and there's cool scenes in it, you yeah. know? Everything with the Emperor. Ian McDiarmid is one of the greatest actors yeah. in Star Wars. So it's like, whenever any scene he was in, he was awesome. Yeah. So he's yeah. just a great actor. So anytime he got to, like, act, those scenes are great because he's he brings levels of acting to the words, you know? It's yeah. like, sort of some other people don't. So it's sort of one of those things where you're like, that's the problem with uh, with those prequels, but hear about the they're making a seventh star wars movie i was like i can't believe this is like the promise of when i was 10 when those like a newsweek article came out it was like there'll be 12 star wars movies they, they yeah they, they promised that to me when i was 10 yeah and then it became nine before empire strikes back came out there were nine and then it became six but i'm just gonna i but it was three for a long time and i might do the the prequels i might do the story of darth vader and so now we're getting the stuff that was promised, so that kind of level of excitement started to get jacked yeah. up. 
just like when you saw that trailer, you know, we all went to the theater to see Phantom Menace to see that first mm-hmm. Star Wars trailer. We didn't know what those pod things are. Like, we don't know. I what waited like eight hours for the QuickTime to load. Oh, yeah. And download oh. on my computer for that oh, trailer. Oh, man. I remember sitting in my dad's office on his blue that iMac. QuickTime. His blue turtle shell and iMac. It always, kept, like, it always kept freezing out when it was like oh. the... The Gungan sort of yes. misty, right? Where they're like, kind of, what is that? What, what is that? It yeah, keeps stopping. <laughs> yes, what a great trailer. Um, so Force Awakens, also great trailer. The Chewie were home. Everybody got all misty oh, yeah. and like choked yeah. up. And I got to be honest, like with even with Star Wars, Star Wars: The Force Awakens being kind of a mashup of the first three movies. Which is kind of what it's it is. It's a very clever way to reboot and restart the it's franchise. It's so smart because what you said earlier is exactly what they had to do. These movies aren't making a billion dollars if J.J. doesn't make The Force Awakens the way he makes The Force no. Awakens. Yeah, he had to reintroduce why Star Wars was cool to everybody. Mm-hmm. And by do, by borrowing things from those first three movies, like here's a new Death Star, here's a... The, the droid with the map, here's the... There's a little there's little gimmies throughout the entire thing that are like... You know, Star Wars that are like The Empire Strikes Back, that are like Return of the Jedi. They're not so overt that it ruined the movie for me, but but actually the opposite. I loved the film. I found it very, very exhilarating and fun to revisit the characters from the past and then have these new characters introduced in this newer version of Star Wars. So for myself, I had a great time. Every time I went, I saw it five times in the theater. I have tons of my friends who did not like Force Awakens. And we could argue about different things and like they they might be strongly offended that it had you know these scenes where like yeah i've got the plans and i'm giving it to my robot it's like that's just like princess leia it's like yeah it's like if you want to argue those things you could also go back in time and argue with george lucas who was like i was trying to mirror things when i mirrored this his whole mirror thing which doesn't work in his prequels actually works for jj yeah the mirrors actually do work you're like that's what george lucas was talking about but he just couldn't do it himself yeah so what he was talking about actually does work and jj took that and made it work let's talk about last jedi so I, I love the movie. I mean, are there a few things in it that when I saw the movie, like we're talking about Luke Skywalker, when I first finally saw Luke, you know, he didn't say anything in mm-hmm. Force Awakens. It's just like, it ends. And he's like, quiet. I was like, they're not even going to let him talk. I was kind of bummed a little bit, but it made me really excited to see whatever the next Star Wars movie was. And then <clears throat> take it starts right after. It's literally, there's no time has elapsed. Yeah. With the movies. And I that's weird because we were talking about usually there's like a year or two elapsed with all those first six movies. Time has passed with yeah. every single movie. Um, there's no time that has elapsed at all. And we're just right into it. And, uh, you know, he just throws the lightsaber. A lot of people are like, that was it for me. That bummed me out. I was like, I thought it was kind of funny and an interesting way to flip it. Instead of him just like, oh, my lightsaber, where did you find it? Whatever yeah. would have been the typical thing. I think Ryan was like, no, nah, I'm going to go the other way and actually use Luke as the the way to describe what the Jedi Order did over these 30, 40 years to help bring about the Empire with their with their pride. Yeah, their hubris. Their hubris. And, and it was sort of like, <clears throat> we are talking about that one line where he's like, what do you expect me to bring a laser sword and fight the entire Empire? And I think Ryan was like, Having having a little laugh with George Lucas, because Lucas is the only guy who would call it a laser sword on set. He'd be like, yeah, let's get the laser swords. And I remember seeing it behind the scenes for Revenge of the Sith. I was like, what is he still calling the laser sword for it? Dude, it's called a lightsaber. It was like, whatever. You named it that. Yeah, you, you, let's get those laser swords and do it again quicker or whatever. It's like, so. I think Faster, Ryan, more intense. Yeah, Ryan was just having fun. He's like, but also telling some truths. It was like, 
No, the Jedi are the ones who helped create all this, all these problems by creating the clone army, by bringing about the Sith, by empowering, and 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 not. Yeah. So I feel like, and he was so bitter by by that, and also by the failure of his family, of the Skywalkers, and then his own failure with his Padawans, with his train training Solo. And having that happen, he made mistakes. And those are those mistakes where he's like, I'm going to go and be a bitter old man on an island and this, the Jedi must die. So you need someone new to bring that force yeah. back. Literally, to bring the force back. And to me, that's what spoke to me so much. That those, Some of the sequences with Luke just talking to R2, I started to tear up. I was like, yeah. because that yeah. is, once again, we're having that. He's like, oh, that's a cheap shot where you see yeah. the thing that initiated everything. To see that started that, the hero's yeah, journey. Yeah, it's like well, I need to find Kenobi. It was like those are those are a magical moments in that film. There are several incredible magical moments, but for myself, it was like the strongest part of Last Jedi is it brought the Force back to what it meant to me as when I was ten years old and I saw Star Wars before midi chlorians existed, before Anakin and the Chosen One having some virgin birth thing. Force the Force was for everyone. It was a global thing. It incorporated all types of thoughts all types of religions like you were saying yeah, it's, it's everywhere Obi, it's what Obi-Wan tells all of us from the very beginning in that first movie it surrounds us it binds us it encompasses us yeah I think and Ryan uses some of that dialogue again when Yoda magically appears and talks with Luke and Yoda is also the clue to the entire film he's like saying failing the, 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 you should embrace failure because that's how you grow mm-hmm. yeah true growth is through failure yeah like I have so many failures in my life. Like I've had a 25-year career so far, and I've got pilots that you'll never see. I've done things with people that didn't work. So, but every single project I've done, I've grown from. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I've learned some very heavy things. So I could never have made Metalocalypse without having done like 10 or 15 years of other animation and cartoons and designing and editing and directing. So it's like all those things step over each other, and then you'll still fumble and fall. So I feel like what Yoda's you know, his walk away or his takeaway from what he was talking about with let the books burn. And obviously Ray kept him and Ray doesn't have the Skywalker, you know, midi chlorian genes. And yeah. my Giger counter near 1000 <laughs> doesn't matter. Broom kids got it too. He's got the force. The force is everything. And it's, yes. it's about believing in yourself. It's like, it's so powerful. And that's what, to me, that, that was my takeaway. If I could change anything with last Jedi, I would have let Luke fade not disappear like Yoda, I would just fade out with him looking at those twin sons because that would have had that mirror look of how he's looking at those uh, those tw- those twin sons on Tatooine. on Tatooine. And it was like the hero's journey. It would have been that, it would have been very satisfying. And ultimately, because Carrie Fisher passed away, that I would have, I would have, we were talking about this once again before the show. There's a lot of stuff that you guys... We talk about Star Wars got, all day. got really sweaty. So it was like... <laughs> so we were like, yo, it's like, you know, that's the one change I would have asked for if I... If, but it's not my film. I didn't write... I think it's fantastic. I would just... Because we don't have Carrie and now we don't have Han and now we, we don't, don't have Luke. We don't have Luke in physical form. Right. But we're we, for sure going to get him. In we're sure because he was like, I'm going to be there, See kid. you around, kid. Yeah, you know he's ghosting around. He's like, <laughs> hopefully he's got a sense of humor. He's like, hey, what are you doing now? But he's like kooky Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just floating around. like, you know, just <laughs> Finally, I get to yeah. joke yeah. around. Folded legs, yeah, like floating down. Remember when you wanted to talk to Grandpa? Right. <laughs> so you're holding that lightsaber wrong. You know, I mean, there's the ideas. You know, everything could be so... I, I know they wouldn't go that comical, but Luke 
has a cool sense of humor and it comes through, mm -hmm. especially in this. Like he's had enough time to hang out with Porgs for like 10 years, 20 years, however long he's been hanging out on that island. You know, he's got a cranky old man kind of sensibility. I mean, we were also talking a little bit about the training, how some people are like, look, the training sequences in all the Star Wars movies have always been like, I'm here on Dagobah for two days and now I can fight Darth Vader. It's very, you know, quick, intensive yeah. weekend. Yeah, <laughs> lift these rocks, do some with a ship. Uh, here's a lightsaber. Go you into a are cave. A Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> look at fear. yourself. Yeah, like Ray's looking at a million versions of herself. It's like face whatever kind of fear. Here's a lightsaber. Like you're like, you're like amazing because you're because you're channeling the force. Like she's lifting like six thousand rocks at the end, but it's cool because you're like she's learned to believe in herself. And I feel like that's like you know like that thing that annoys all of us when Lucas is like Star Wars is a children's fantasy. He's like shut up. It's not a children's fantasy. It's for everybody. Yeah. It's made for kids so that they could get into it, but adults should be able to enjoy it too. And that's what was so great about Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, even The Return of the Jedi, even though he introduced the teddy bears, it's still not like, it's not talking down to anybody. It's not yeah. like, you know. It's why Pixar is yeah. amazing. It's why Disney animation has always been amazing. It doesn't matter what age you are. Right. It's timeless storytelling. Yeah. You can be a 50-year-old man and go, yeah, yeah, no. I totally recognize this from my Flash Gordon days. I, this is myth. This is classic mythic storytelling. Yeah, yeah, where where George started to go to the dark side was when he added the poop and the farts and the oop and the and the all that kind of stuff. And Phantom Menace was like, yo, I call it his Captain EO phase when yeah. like he started to get really into this idea of like I want to tell children's right. yeah. stories. So we've now talked about OG trilogy. We've done some prequel stuff and sequel trilogy, but we want to get to know. The real Star Wars fan in John Snap. So we're going to ask you our Star Wars questionnaire. It's based off the old stupid inside the actor studio. Sure. You know, what is your favorite color? What would God say when you bumped into God? This is our Star Wars version of it. Definitely. So the first question for John Snap is, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Uh, why? It's because I love Star Wars so much that you know what we were talking about when the trailer came out. It just made me go bonkers because it was like I had read the Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I'd already read the Alan Dean Foster book. Like I'd, I was already buying all those comic books. I was drawing Star Wars every day. It was like superhero and Star Wars were like neck and neck. You know, Godzilla yeah. was, had been sublimated. And I was like, <laughs> Batman, Fantastic Four, Star Wars. It was like literally Superman. It was like comic books and, and, and science fiction was really literally my bread and butter every day. You'd be That's surprised that Empire Strikes Back is not the one we hear the most. Oh, no, I'm not surprised. I just, because that's what I grew up with, and that's yeah. the one that impacted me, that meant something. Like I said, I, I walked to the cinema every, yeah. like, 13 times during that summer to go see it multiple times. That's the movie. Like, I saw Return of the Jedi three times in the theater. Like, I saw Star Wars three times in the theater. Return of the Jedi still really enjoyed. I didn't like it as much, though. So I felt yeah. like... For me, Empire Strikes Back was so different than Star Wars. And it also moved the story forward where you're like, Luke Skywalker just fought Darth Vader. You know what I mean? And got and wrecked. That, yeah, got, man, he got destroyed. He got his <laughs> yeah. hand cut off. He's also like, what is he, my dad? <laughs> you know, it's like, what the hell? Everybody Instant got wrecked. daddy issues. Yeah, it was, like, it was like The Last Jedi. It was like, when you think about like, but it wasn't as, it wasn't like, Last Jedi, you like have seven people on a Millennium Falcon, like, and no one's answering the call. Like, I keep calling, but you're not answering. There's like, yeah. eh, try again. Like, the where are the rebels? <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's over. It's like, everybody failed. Multiple levels of failure. Everyone kind of effed up in Last Jedi. It kind of happened to everybody 
in Empire Strikes Back, but it was more of a scattershot approach where yeah. we saw that like even where you're going to rely on your friends, well, you know, Han Solo was a scoundrel, and he, you know, we might even see the reason why Lando hates on him so much yeah. in Han Solo. It's like, look, dude, you stole his, you stole his spaceship, <laughs> you swindled this out of him, you probably did all this other stuff. So that's why he was like, can't wait to screw this guy over. Yeah. Handing you over, yeah. son. I mean, there's got to be that reason. He felt bad about it, so because they're probably pals. But Han must have been a big dick. He must have been. A I jerk, never even you know? thought about that. Like, what is the reason that Lando's so easily able to just? Because Double part of it, he was him. like, well, he was like, the Empire came here, and they Saving said they were going to do this. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I could, I could see that, too, but there has to be, there's there's something else that's got to be there where Han Solo really, really jerked him. He's like, ha-ha, that's, uh, you know, the, the Millennium Falcon's mine now, kid, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to be. I'm looking forward to seeing that Solo trailer <laughs> since we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, so Empire Bowl. Strikes Back for me is the one. Empire Strikes Back is right, number one. All right, well, in that case, what's your least favorite Star Wars film? Well, I have to say... Um, Phantom Menace. Hmm. And, you know, I think the least watched one for me is Attack of the Clones. Uh, but I've tried to see Phantom Menace. I've watched the, the East Coast version, the West Coast version, where they, like, redub. <laughs> the Gungans are like, I am a proud and powerful Spock Vulcan-like race Wait, there's now. there's an East Coast, West Coast version? Yeah, there's an East Coast and a West Coast version where they, like, cut out, they re-dialogue, they, re they did subtitles for the Modians, for the Gungans. They did subtitles for everyone uh, so that they're not, like, racist. And uh, which they're totally racist. It was like, huh. oh, uh, you know, what's a little floaty? Yeah, Waddle. Yeah, Waddle. I'm a, I'm a very much like a Jew. It's like you yeah, know, it's like yeah. I'm a stereotype. I've got a giant nose, and I'm worrying about money. And then you have the Nemodians who are very super, like you know, it's the it's the you know axis of evil. Now it's the Japanese, and they're evil. It's like it's so racist. The Gungans, obviously, like Misa Misa. It's like super, like the worst step and fetch it characters yeah. i can't believe it got through and didn't get over on people when i saw it i was like wow this is not only boring and fucked up and talking about trade federations and fucking taxes <laughs> but it's also racist as fuck and i couldn't believe it. it's like everything ever the story was so horribly written when you're like when you hear it you hear like the 25 words or less version you're like i can't wait to see this little baby anakin getting turned what's we gonna be like is it gonna be like the omen kid no Gonna be like the Oshkosh Magosh Magosh kid. Eh, yippee! Get out of here! Get the fuck out of here! It's like, so yeah, for me, the fan with Jar Jar, let's talk, you know, sorry. Yeah, he's a, he's a Sith. You keep hearing these weird rumors where I don't know who creates those rumors. Like people are really like clinging onto their Jar Jar doll. Like someday he'll be, he'll be, he'll be cool one day. Like, you know, kissing One day people will respect you, Jar Jar. He's a Sith now. It's like, no. No, he's just a shitty, horrible character, a racist character, an embarrassment that steps in poo, that farts, that's a Misa Misa. It's like, it's the most embarrassing and horrible thing. And you go back and watch those documentaries, like, well, it's all, it's all really, really relying on Jar Jar. He's the key. No, he's not. <laughs> he's uh, not the key. Who, who are you talking to? Okay. It's not, you know. These are not the keys you're looking yeah. for. So, I think we know the answer to the question <laughs> after this question. But let's do this question first, which is, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Who? Well, you know, I, I thought about it, and I, I would have to say my favorite character... Um, growing up was Darth Vader. Cool. I, I loved the the first three movies. I loved the the him as being the villain that kind of escapes with the Tie Fighter, and you're like, oh, what's what, how's he going to yeah. come back? And then with Empire Strikes Back, 
all of a sudden there's a deeper level now because he's Luke's dad. And I was like, that blew me away when I saw Empire Strikes Back. I was like, he's, his dad is like, you know, the this worst. evil, yeah. evil guy. He's the worst. He's like, he's the one who helped kill the Jedi. Yeah. You know? And then his, uh, he's, he comes back at the end, the Return of the Jedi. His, his son is able to save him. You know, yeah. and turn him around. He, I know it's, it happens quickly, but it's like it's something he had that buried deep within him. Where it's something where within this new trilogy, to me, there is no redemption for Ben Solo. No, like when he killed his dad with the saber, I was like, it's like it's like John Wick. He killed those. They killed the puppies. Those people have got to die. Yeah, I was instantly <laughs> was hating on Ben Solo. I'm like, no, this. And I was I was hoping that like Ryan and I'm still hoping JJ doesn't write in some kind of simplified redemption arc or storyline because it's like there's a little bit of that hesitancy when he's like floating in the super cool Tie Fighter and he doesn't shoot at Leia, but then the other troopers do and blow yeah. her out the window. And or, he doesn't stop them. He doesn't, he doesn't go, stop. hey, that's my mom. Right. He could have forced right. pushed them off or whatever. You're just like, all right, I guess that's how it's going down. And he's super manipulative with Ray. So we, you know, even though he was manipulated and killed Snoke, I thought that was all really powerful. It showed you. Truly, how evil and powerful and manipulative he is. Yes. And it isn't Luke's fault. He just couldn't contain this dude. This guy was evil. Even yeah. from, you know, whatever it was. We didn't get enough of that, but we can get that in a comic book. We can get that in a supplemental something or other. I felt like it was enough in the movie. For myself, I wasn't like, yeah. I want more, you know, 10 more minutes on the Jedi Academy or whatever. Yeah. It was enough. Those flashbacks were enough. But, you know, to go back, I think Darth Vader is a very powerful character. Was he kind of ruined by the prequels? A little bit. In my mind, it lessened. So, in my mind, because I have such a strong uh, childlike memory of Darth Vader and like having that character, just like Boba Fett is not a real character in any of the movies. He's a bounty hunter and he has a presence with the bounty in hunters. A dope costume, badass costume. He's got a cool presence. I love Boba. Boba Fett's my favorite. Just character design and character, even though he's not represented well at all. It's just like yay in a sarlacc pit. Yeah. You know, he's. But as far as like just a cool character that my imagination had so much fun playing with those little characters and getting all those bounty hunters when Empire Strikes Back, you Forlom and you know and uh, you know, got all of the you know bounty hunters. <laughs> I like that they went into them. You know, in uh, in other comic books, you had IG88, had all the other characters, which literally in, in the Empire Strikes Back have a non-speaking role. They're standing. There's no, you know, there's no. It's not a character even. There's a, that's why people are like, it's just a toy that's in one scene. I know, but there's a backstory. You have to be a deep, like weird, sweaty nerd. Be like that. IG88 grew up on the Forlom also. You know, like, I Bosk, love you know, Zuckus like, the bug one who's yeah. like the outfit's clearly too big for the actor. Yeah, and his arms are just kind of resting on his gun. I'm like, Zuckus is a badass. I think Dangar's the one who got the worst. You know, he's just like a kind of a fat dude wrapped in like he's like the mummy with some leftover <laughs> shit. They're like, yeah, put put this dirty stormtrooper yeah. thing. You got a headband. And rap, and here's a big dumb gun. You're Dengar. You know what I'm saying? He's the what would been shittier if he was go get him, champ. <laughs> we almost called you Dengar, but we fucking added the e, so you're not the dingus. You know what I mean? But yeah, that was the one character when I was a kid. I was like, and Dengar gets killed quickly. He's like, the scout ship is. She like literally blown Dengar's up. Dengar's gone. Yeah, I'd play on the beach. And Meanwhile, ig 88s having yeah. an epic adventure, yeah, violently throwing the characters because they're violently getting exploded. But yeah, Bosk always looked badass. So. Uh, yeah, and I always imagine that, you know, Boba Fett was the leader of this group of bounty hunters. Mm -hmm. I didn't have them, you know, like tracking off on their own or whatever. Like, We've got to be getting that squad in Solo. Yes. I that squad's got to be in and Solo. And I want to see, I know they were making that Boba Fett movie. It got canceled and pushed off. And they were supposed to ape each other. There was going to be a scene in Solo where far away he saw Boba Fett. from You see Boba Fett doing something from Han Solo's perspective in a fight. 
And then in the Boba Fett movie, you're going to see it from Boba Fett's perspective. Whoa. You see Han Solo. So I don't know if they're still going to do that. That, but that was in an early script. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to see them tie Han Solo and Boba Fett together a little bit better. But uh, yeah, Darth Vader is the one that still Darth sticks Vader. with me. Yeah. All right, least favorite Star Wars character. Easy. That's the easiest one on the planet. It's Jar Jar Banks. I yeah. think Jar Jar Banks was the biggest mistake that George Lucas could have introduced into the Star Wars mythology. And that he introduced it in such a clunky and horrible comedic way, it was just it was just horrible. I mean, and there's nothing that could ever take that make that better. The only thing that could have made it better is if I saw Phantom Menace when I was six, because then it would be like he stepped in poo, ah, he farted. Look, he's licking that thing, and he grabbed the tongue, ha, ah, he electrocuted him. It's like, like baby humor, you know, like real childlike and stuff. And that's not in any of the other original movies. It's like. If you go back and look at Last Jedi, people are like, yeah, that scene where Poe is making, like, doing the can you hear me now thing with Hux. I was like, look, Han Solo was doing that with the intercom. Like, ah, I'm having a, uh, this party was boring anyway. The only problem I have is Han Solo was talking to a subordinate, like, nobody. And Poe was clowning on Hux. So, unfortunately, it diminished Hux's role yeah. as a badass. As a, it's like, this guy's this dumb. That's what it made, that, the, that's, there's a few mistakes, or, or, in my mind, things that could have been, done differently where it could have been a subordinate that Poe was messing with and then Hux would have been like, you can't you see that he's clearly, you know, messing with you? Get hail frequencies, fire it. Yeah. Just, you have to maintain that kind of, with these characters, don't make them clowns in the first scene. Yeah. And Hux is, the, for the rest of the movie, he's getting thrown around, force whipped. Well, and, I think that doubles down on the fact that now Kylo really can't be redeemed because then who's the big bad? Hux, we just saw him get tossed around by right. Kylo for... Right. 30 minutes now mm -hmm. if kylo's a good guy ray and kylo ray and ben solo would just smash the yeah. first order in six minutes they would just go on in the ship and be like just breaking yeah. necks. is like like the black knight his arms are cut off i can still bite you yeah, like screaming like, you know it's yeah like, it has I, to be clowny. i think the last jedi as much as it's ray's movie i think last jedi, i think i think this new set of trilogies our trilogy is sort of a parallel to the og trilogy where that was the hero's journey, and, I, and this is still the Skywalker continuation of the saga. I think this is sort of the villain's journey, hmm. in the sense that we're getting with this yeah. new trilogy. Yeah, I, I well, I'm hoping that the it's got to be something heavy if he's going to be redeemed. I mean, I because in my mind, it, it's. It I mean, the only way he can right be redeemed now. is the martyr, and it's got to be a brutal martyr, really like, brutal, right. like basically looking Ray in the eye and be like, "Kill me." And have it mirror the way he killed Han Solo. Be like, you have to kill me. I'm never going to get better. You have to kill me. Maybe I'll be like, well, at least he knows he's a monster now. At least he's willing to accept that. Okay, so you love the bounty hunters. A little question I have for you. If you could have any job in the Star Wars universe, what job would you want to have? Um, let's see. Any job in the Star like Wars You're a character. Universe, right? I would want to be on the Moss. Uh, let me process of elimination. Not working in the cantina. Okay. <laughs> That's the most little, popular answer. A little too dangerous for me. I, you know, <laughs> hey, look, you know, have a couple of drinks and get the hell out of there. I don't want to be working there. Yeah. Have those guys like, yeah, I think you talked to me wrong. I'm like, easy. Or cleaning up some weird Well, no, the old, the old John Schnepp would have been like, fuck you, running. <laughs> yeah, right. Chased by Dengar. Yeah, or shotgun or have two other people. I'm giving them free drinks. They're, they're the actual you know, bouncers here. So, um, yeah, so not Miles Eisley, uh, Coruscant, I'm not dealing death sticks. Um, <laughs> you know, look, there's some... You know, don't yeah. fuck with those death sticks. Yeah, he's like, I got some death sticks. You know. 
He's a he's a tweaker. Um, <laughs> uh, hanging out with those weird like you know fish nuns on Skelly Island. Yeah, being the caretaker, be like the one. Why is that one dude there? It's like they're doing my laundry. You know? I'm like, <laughs> Super like, fat caretaker, yeah. just like this is where yeah, I party. Like, uh, eating porgs and also petting them. Then <laughs> <laughs> have like pet. You know, that's horrifying. Um, <laughs> Hoth, no. I've already escaped Chicago. I'm not going back to the winter wonderland. Um, nope on Dagobah. Kaishak, no. Going through the planets now. Endor? Nope. You can be hanging out in the village with the Ewoks? No, I'm not. Rub-dub, ging-up, sub-dub. Nope. Nope. Or the new mystical song. Either song. No, I'm not going to be. Yeah. Cloud City? Nope. Uh Salt. Nope. Worst, worst line in Last Jedi. Worst line in Last Jedi. Salt. Like, what are you saying salt for? It's a science fiction movie. There's no salt. What do you think? How do you? Where's the pepper? <laughs> Asshole. That, angry. I was so angry. That's the, the that those little things flip me out. Be fucking touching and licking it anyway. It was like, what if he was like poison? It almost feel like they were like, we have to tell people it's not snow, or they're I, gonna be really mad because this is just like hot. So they're like. It's salt. I know. It's one of those things. Well, and then Gareth Edwards just looks at him so disgusted, just like, I. It's a bummer, too, because where it's like, you're like, yo, man, it's a movie. It's You show it visually. You don't have to say it. He's like, literally, like, a lot of people point out, like, well, you know, Ben Ben is like his shadow and moving the salt, and Luke is not. And that's the tell. Yeah. And also that he's got the saber that was broken in half mm-hmm. and all that. But those are things that are like, you know, that's later. If you want to establish it earlier. They could have just shown like when those guys are going. One of the one of the troopers wipes out and like skids along, and you see all that red, you know, crystalline stuff underneath. And he yells, "Salt!" Well, yeah. at first, when the old man climbs up out of the little cavern and starts walking, and you see the red, I was like, "Is he bleeding?" Like it was like he's bleeding from his legs. Right? What? <laughs> no, nah, it's first, just yeah. salt. Salt. Just salt. <laughs> I hate salt. What if he like better, yeah. walks out and he's in tr- like all the resistant troops are behind him. He walks out. The walkers are coming down. And the old guy just goes, "It's salt!" Like yeah. yells into the first order, like it's just salt. Yeah. You guys can yeah. go. You can come quicker. You can skid along. <laughs> it's the, salt. Don't worry. The, those giant like ape at ats that didn't do anything. They just showed up and they're like, "We're gonna walk slowly," and then shoot a bunch of lasers and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were going to charge or something. We talked about how I thought they were yeah. going to like hind leg it and be like, <laughs> like gorilla right. walkers. Yeah, because yeah. nope. they, they, they could have just been like silver backing it towards, you know, all of them just poof, you know? Nope. But I'm uh, cool with that not happening. So no on whatever that planet was called. Crate. Okay. Crate. Uh, <laughs> casino planet, no. Death Star? Nope. Too explodable. <laughs> We've seen every single one. Even the planet ones blow up. I'm not, I'm not messing with that. There's no weakness. I don't believe you. You know, someone's Dagobah? got some plans. Nope. Um, not Tatooine. No, hell no. Too hot. No, that's like Death Valley. Hey, you want to go hang out in Death Valley? I no. got it. Canto Bite. Nope. <laughs> I just had the casino planet. No. no okay. We're running out of planets. Maz Kanata's castle. Hmm. Now, what would my job be at Maz Kanata's castle? It's destroyed now. So we have to go back in time <laughs> yeah. before it got destroyed. You bounce before it gets yeah. destroyed. I was so like, it doesn't affect you. I heard, there, I heard all the Skywalker people are showing up. I'm out of here. You know? <laughs> it's like grilling meat. Yeah. Be like, nope. The, um, yeah, I'd probably I'd be hanging out at Maz Kanata's castle. By the lake. Just like yeah. feet up. Yeah. I'd, reading some books. Maybe I'd be one of the people at the uh, if they had a roulette Star Wars table, I'd be like rocking that roulette table. Playing right. roulette. I, right. What would my job be? A gambler. Be? Yeah, I'd be g- half gambling all my money that I earned from 
boat rides. I'd be that dude who's like, yeah, the, the boat, the skiff, whatever <laughs> version of the Star Wars floaty thing you want, you just pay me and then I give it to Ma. So I'd be like that lazy dude <laughs> drinking uh, whatever, the equivalent of the the alcoholic blue milk. I'd be like, yeah, there's the boat. Just put the, the Kremlons in here or whatever, <laughs> whatever, your, whatever, whatever your, it is. your credits. Yeah. All right. Well, you answered within that what you, job you wouldn't want, which is typically our our next question, but um, what's your favorite line of dialogue in the Star Wars? Um, <clears throat> I find your lack of faith disturbing. Joke. Um, that's one of my favorite lines. I also, one line. of my favorite lines is from the trailer of Empire Strikes Back. It's like, you know, you are not a Jedi yet. What is it? It's like, the Force is strong with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. And this fucking saber goes on. I just remember, like, that was so magical, seeing yeah. that scene and it's so beautifully put together it's just like you know that crazy weird you know carbonite encasement room or whatever yeah. the fuck it is and those little it's weird just, pig things yeah the ugnaughts yes. and I, I hate that i know that it's like because i was like i don't want the ugnaughts i remember as a kid i was like i'm not getting the ugnaughts <laughs> so that's why i remember the fucking i didn't want the little pig dudes who were like fucking around c3 but i don't care about that part i remember i was like <laughs> i don't like ugnaughts. i don't want and whenever that scene would show up with the broken up c3 3 po i'd be like oh it used to freak me out when i was a kid i didn't like it this, yeah, it was probably Pigs. a little frightening, right? They're like pig creatures. Like, uh-huh, we're like, taking them apart. Why yeah. are they picking on C-3PO? He's yeah. just a nice little gold droid. Yeah, they're going to melt funny. him down. Oh. Yeah. What color would your lightsaber be? I would say, like, from playing uh, Knights of the Old Republic. So you're a big Knights of the Old Republic fan. Well, you know what's weird? It's like, I wasn't a big RPG player until somebody was like, you've got to play Knights of the Old Republic. I got obsessed, man. I absorbed easily half a year of my fucking life because I'd come home from work and then I would just be playing it. I loved, I, I, I couldn't believe how well done it was. And the coolest thing is you could go Sith or Jedi. And they gave you that choice up until a point within the story where you make this decision and you're either Sith or Jedi. You can't ride, yeah. the, ride the lightning, so to speak, and be like, I won't kill you, but I'm killing you. You know? Yeah. So that was cool. Like I remember being on Tatooine and I was like, gonna get the dragon's tooth but i'm killing you and your son <laughs> yeah and then i'm going to the tuscans and i'm killing everybody and then so you, i played it evil first so i would be like <laughs> if i had a saber i'd be like i'd have a red saber and i'd make that little kyber crystal cry blood <laughs> and then i have a green saber because you'd I'd have like, one of each yeah i'd be like you know the clown, clown jedi i'd be like you don't know who i am today like, don't trust him he's coming aboard I'd be like some danger, <laughs> danger, you know. All right, so oh. John Snap, this is the last question. You've got your green lightsaber and your red lightsaber. Right. You are on the bridge in Cloud City. You've just fought Darth Vader. You've had this epic battle. He cut off both your hands. Both your lightsabers have fallen to the ground. You're hanging onto the bridge. Right. Darth Vader can say one thing to John Snap besides "I am your father." Right. What is Darth Vader saying to John? I thought you knew that after I built C-3PO that I totally side-trained both Salacious Crumb and Jar Jar Binks in the ways of the Sith. Now you need to pick just one. Coming in 2020, Dark Crumb, the saga of Salacious Sith, a Star Wars story. <laughs> That's... Yes. That would be that would be Darth Vader doing that. And I would just... I would just... I wouldn't even cry. I would be... I would just jump backwards. 
inside. Just not even trying. Yeah, to hang on. No, to the I'll things. just be like, just like weird, solidly <laughs> jump, fall backwards. The laugh of salacious crumb yeah. just ring. <laughs> yeah, he'd be somewhere as you fall. Yeah, down. with his weird, he'd be cloaked. He'd be like, oh, yeah. God. dude, thank you so much thank for being so much. here. We oh, can't begin to tell you how much it means to us. For all the folks watching at home, if they want to find you on social media, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, just at John Schnapp. You can find me on all the Collider video channels, uh, doing movie talk Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I do the Heroes show that's on Monday and Tuesday. It comes, on, it comes up around 2 o'clock. Which is great. If you want to get yeah. sweaty on all things Marvel movies, DC movies, comic books, that's the place to get sweaty on You can find stuff. my movie, The Death of Superman Lives What Happened. You can get that at tdoslwh.com. Get just, that. Yeah. It's amazing. If it's you're a movie fan and into Superman and Batman, get that. Yeah, that's the Tim Burton, Kevin Smith, Nick Cage version of Superman that never got made, Superman Lives. So... We'll throw all that info in the show notes, too, so people can find it. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thank being you, here, guys. Oh, and remember, it's been a pleasure. may the force be, be with, with you. you.